Hi, everyone, and welcome to Another Kind of Wealth podcast with me, Lottie Leaf. I'm the founder of the Jura Society, a platform and private client consultancy focused on crafting a deeper connection between wealth and wellness. We aim to inspire and educate women to take control of their financial future. I have the pleasure of being able to speak with some of the best in the business, and now I get to share this with you. So come on in and join us as we hear all about today's topic. Hi everyone, good afternoon. I'm Lottie, founder of the Jura Society, a platform and private client consultancy focused on crafting a deeper connection between wealth and wellness. So welcome to the first of our new series. It's called What's the Deal? We want to fill the gap between all the blogs, podcasts and websites that are just for complete beginners and marrying that between their super advanced specialist sources that you need a finance degree to understand. So Every two weeks, Victoria and I are going to be having a chat in this place, exploring the, fo- uh, the financial markets and much, much more. So just a caveat, none of this is financial or investment advice. Do your own research, but we're here to answer your questions as much as that we can. So I'm just getting Victoria in now. Um, give us two seconds. Um, here we go. So give us two secs and we'll get Victoria in and we will start this brilliant discussion. Hi, Victoria, how are you? Hello, good, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, a little bit warm. Um, but So I just gave a little bit of a background on what we're going to be discussing today. Um, it's focused on what the problems with ETFs are. But Victoria, do you want to give us a little bit of a background on, on why you are so well versed to be able to discuss this with <laughs> Well, that's for everybody everybody to judge. But um, yes, yeah, so the reason why I'm here is um, that I'm a financial journalist or actually an, an equities reporter, which means that I write about really, really big stock market deals where either companies enter the stock market for the first time or investors sell each other massive amounts of stocks in the dark of night um, outside stock markets being open. And it's very, very exciting and very interesting, but only very, very few people um, read the very, very, very niche specialized magazine that I work for. Um, so I've been thinking for a while, it would just be really cool to kind of use a bit of this knowledge and um, help other people who are keen to understand this. Um, yeah. Too. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just so fascinated. We've, always, we've already had lots of really interesting conversations and now we're able to share them with everybody else who's watching as well, which is brilliant. So let's go back into what we're covering today. So what are the problems with ETFs? And I guess, Victoria, why do we need to be talking about what's wrong with them as well? Yeah, um, absolutely. If I look to the side, I've taken some notes, so uh, for, forgive me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you and I have, have talked about this a few times. Um, if if you Google, if you're, if you're a regular person interested in investing and kind of not losing all your money to inflation, um, and you Google things like investment for beginners or how to invest in stocks, then you'll find a lot of really, really good blogs who will, or websites who will explain to you what a stock is, how they work. And where these things usually end is with them recommending that you invest in ETFs, um, which is basically, um, I mean, sure, many people know this already, but an ETF is basically a basket of stocks um, that you kind of just put your money in and it's automatically invested in all of them. Um, and this basket isn't built by a person who handpicks, ooh, this stock and this stock, um, which would take a lot of time. 
but they're just like, okay, we'll just put all the stocks in there that are in an index. Um, so like the FTSE 100 or the S&P 500 or the DAX, which is the German one, which is dear to my heart because I'm German. Um, and yeah, this is a very, very cheap way because you're just like, yeah, all, all the ones on that list, please. Um, and that makes these things very cheap to run. And that makes them very cheap to invest in as well. Um, and yeah, they're usually praised for being really, really diverse way of investing. Um, so yeah, you don't, you, you, don't, you don't depend too much on an individual company doing well. And um, yeah, so that's why they're usually, uh, yeah, usually highly recommended as kind of an invest in beginner friendly way of investing. But the thing is, they're, they're not a magic money making machine. And I feel like um, the the problems that they actually have are never really talked about. And I remember when I started reading into these things, like A, just before I started writing about it and became a journalist and everything, um, I wondered why there was never ever a mention of any disadvantages of them. And when I tried to Google ETF criticism, like now it's gotten a little bit better, but like then there would just be nothing basically. So I feel like um, ETFs are not a horrible thing. This is not an anti-ETF <laughs> session. But I think it's still really important to just kind of talk about the issues that they have. Sorry if this was very long. Uh, no, 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 no. I think it's good to give that background as well, because I think some people are uh, aware of what the terminology is, but maybe not what the actual mechanics are with it as well. So, as you say, they're not a magic money making machine. Um, so what would you say are some of the, um, the key issues then uh, when we're talking about that? Yeah, um, I mean, there are a few. Um, some of them are important to investors immediately, others maybe not so much. So let's start with kind of the key one um, that ETFs, um, sorry, uh, <laughs> thinking about how to, how to best start this. Um, so the, the reason, well, reason why ETFs are recommended is usually that um, people say, first of all, there's no real alternative to investing than stocks because you don't really get interest paid on your bank account or something. Um, and that they have this kind of passive investing where you just kind of follow an index has done really, really well over the past 15, 20 years. Um, and so they're like, yeah, it's, it's not really necessary to pick stocks. And a lot of people who have picked stocks who haven't done as well as just being like, let's invest in the entire market. But the thing is, the market has been in a very exceptional situation for the past 15 years or so. It's just been going on so long that people, including myself, don't remember a different time. Mm. Um, but part of the reasons why stocks have been just going up and up and up in all sectors, basically, um, and for a lot of companies um, over the past 15 years is that the European Central Bank has kept interest rates really low. And what that means is basically they've been giving away money for free. Um, which then led to, yeah, you not getting money on your bank account because interest rates are low. Um, so that means actually you need to invest in companies who will give you something else but interest rates, which is why you invest in companies. So everybody has been doing that, which is oversimplifying, but that is part of the reason why they've just been going up and up. Yeah, so it's and a now, inflated environment that everybody's been investing. Yes the moment and exactly being passive is fine because you're riding that wave but as soon as the exactly down you're coming down with that wave exactly that and that is kind of what has been happening now um and especially last year was like another massive boom um but now um 
kind of since the beginning of this year, kind of the cracks are starting to show. We've been, we've been having inflation. Um, there are supply chain problems, so companies uh, struggle to kind of produce um, everything they want to. And then there's a war in Ukraine, which hasn't caused this all, but made it all worse. Mm. Um, and now the European Central Bank actually um, has to has to look at this rising inflation and actually raise interest rates again. And that is that is a deep change that's going on right now. It's not a temporary thing. We will not return, very likely not return to the way things were for the past 15 years. Um, and linking that back to ETFs, yeah. um, that is just a situation in which a lot of these things that we've been taking for granted for the past 15 years don't apply anymore. So you really have to rethink if passive investing into loads of indexes is really still kind of the only and the best thing to do. Mm. Um, not saying that you should sell them all tomorrow, but yeah. Go into sort of how the ECB, the European Central Bank, what their, um, how their trickle down effect affects businesses perhaps, and then why this is almost devaluing and devaluing the environment. I don't know if that is a question that makes sense. Um, yeah, we can we can try to. So, um, I mean, the main job of the ECB is to make sure that prices kind of stay at a level. So their their core task is to make sure that we don't have massive inflation. Mm -hmm. um, and after the financial crisis and the and Greece uh, running into this massive like, this massive Southern European debt crisis, they've like a lot of people needed money to stop companies and countries from collapsing basically um so they they made this money very very cheap um to help these people but and it was fine for a while because the economy was great um yeah there, there wasn't really like not, not much inflation happening on its own record so that has all been kept really low um and that meant it was for companies really cheap to borrow money um because they don't have to pay interest rates and then they can just invest that in mm. um, in their business model and um, they can grow and then they have profits and they can very easily pay their debt back because um, they earned all this money and they don't have to worry about interest rates. Mm -hmm. um, so this also means that if you own a share in a company that is growing very nicely on very cheaply borrowed money, like your your investments will grow up um, as, as the company uh, value goes up. Mm. And that also means shares go up across pretty much everything and that means indexes go up and that means ETFs go up. Yeah. So everything to make sure we're staying on track. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the underlying mechanic. And now, um, I mean, it's, it's of course more complex than that, but uh, yeah. yeah. But now that they're raising interest rates, the money isn't as cheap for companies anymore. Um, so you can't just pump all this money into your growth. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's a bit more difficult to um, kind of, yeah, just promise investors will grow nicely and then we'll like, will will be will be fine so this is this is something that yeah. like this is a way how it trickles down i hope well, this makes sense to everybody yeah well exactly and and i think also when you're looking at the different types of etfs that you have um you know that some of them do you get active etf sorry i'm throwing a, a curveball one in there no, I, I'm, oh. I'm constantly slightly confused by them <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like the the label etf is stuck on a lot of things right now yeah um, it's like a greenwashing band. Yes, whole other topic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. 
Yeah, so you have no manager overseeing it whatsoever. You're just basically all following the same tide. And I think that's something really important for everybody to do. And I guess another question then, possibly this is off, off script, but, you know, what do you think uh, managers or, you know, the, the um, investment uh, platforms, what could they be doing to try and bolster this up? Are you just going to end up getting leveraged ETFs, perhaps, or, you know, with a, with a short position within them? Can you do that? Yeah. I think I think we might be seeing something like that and um, people getting a bit worried about kind of the traditional ETFs and then thinking about alternatives. So yeah, um, they might might go into into leveraged ETFs, but those are essentially then again more risky um, than than just like if if your ETF is no longer just like um, you just invest in every single cut co- and all the 500 companies on the S and P 500, but if you start being really like selective it's a small number of companies there are some weird leverage effects um in there where you kind of try to multiply the impact of your money by doing risky things um Mm -hmm. and um like at that point maybe you're better off just going for a big solid company that has been making lovely returns for the past 150 years and will probably survive the next 50 and just like give them some of your money because at that point the etf safety diversity um loveliness effect is kind of gone yeah because if you're betting against the thing you're trying to invest in it's not really that healthy is it (laughs) yeah yeah no (laughs) i mean you can probably probably very smart people with a lot of knowledge about investment can make that work i i wouldn't no i wouldn't participate in that i think and okay another point that we did cover as well so so what how you know the the liquidity of an etf and if everybody is suddenly well the vast majority especially new investors who have all been encouraged over the last two years invest in this invest in this and you're like okay i'm gonna put i'm gonna start investing we're now all also bolstering up a lot of the um, etfs by getting all of this new cash from from young investors now Mm -hmm. will that impact on the liquidity if everybody is passive yeah, definitely. So um, just to kind of go a bit into the whole liquidity thing. So if you want to sell something for a certain price, you always need somebody who wants to buy that for the price. And that is a very, very key mechanism of the whole stock market. Um, so and of course, it's really good if there's loads of people who are interested in whatever you want to sell so that there's like loads of people and you can like have a really good way of finding a price. Um, so like on stock tablets, for example, Apple, big company, everybody knows it, people really love it. Like, so there's millions of people who want to buy that. So it's very easy to trade with them. If you have, I don't know, if I now start my own little tiny niche company selling, you know, organic soaps or so, and somehow I bring that to the stock market and nobody knows about it. Um, and there's like three people interested in buying it. It's a lot more difficult to like find people selling it. Um, and on ETF level, that means um, if you're in an ETF and you're a passive investor, you buy that company while it's on the index and they usually stay there for a long time. And like you basically only sell it if it's kicked off there. So ETF investors are just like passively sitting there, they buy the stock and then they sit on it and they don't trade with it. So if we now assume that everybody was an ETF investor and everybody was like passively sitting on their stock, like nothing would happen to that stock price anymore. Um, so it would reduce the liquidity um, of, of stocks. So yeah, if everybody was passive, um, there would be no, no stock trading, no, no price discovery happening. And the fewer, I mean, the, f- the more people go passive, the more power the few people who still like actively trade stocks have would have. 
So yeah, mm. yeah so go into, let's go into that with the whole governance and actually, you know, being a shareholder and what the benefit of being a shareholder is and, you know, what it, what it means in its most traditional sense. Yeah, um, of course. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're a shareholder, you own a piece of a company. Um, and of course, it's, if you buy one share, you, it's a very, very, very tiny piece. Um, but technically, because you own part of that company, you have a right to have a say in what the company does and big, important decisions that it makes. Um, should it buy another company? Should it, I don't know, introduce whatever kind of new rules, things, should we invest in a new production line, whatever. Um, and really big investors like funds, um, like they, they do that, they, they do participate in those, in those company decisions and ETFs don't because nobody, like there's not a person mm -hmm. running this ETF with a best interest in maximizing its value and um, so on. So if, uh, if ETFs own really large shares of companies, basically means there's actually a lovely situation for the company kind of board of directors because they can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. um, because there's nobody voting against them in the big shareholder assembly or something. Um, so yeah, if, if you're, uh, yeah, if, if everybody was, was investing in ETFs, um, there would be, yeah, no governance scrutiny, um, uh, anymore, uh, uh, which could play out in different ways. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting element, uh, that, that people don't, like, that you don't really think about because if you're a normal person buying a share, you mostly just hope that the share goes up. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't really think about this governance element, but it is there. That's a really important point, I think. And, and that also, so it's branching into like the ESG impact or VTFs. And, and then, so is it possible to buy a sustainable ETF or something that's an ESG friendly ETF potentially? Um, yeah, definitely. There are some that offer that. Um, I'm actually not, not a huge expert on those in specific. Uh, maybe I should have read up on them a little more ahead of this. Um, but <laughs> then again, we have this problem that we kind of touched upon earlier. If they follow a, a small index, I mean, I can, I can make an index of um, sustainable companies and I just like set out some criteria, I make a list and then somebody can be like, oh yeah, Victoria, we're going to make an ETF with all these companies in there and that's great. But then again, you have the problem that um, this might not be very liquid. Um, maybe like not many, maybe not many, very many people trade in these companies or not many people know about the ETF itself. Um, so an ETF is traded like a stock, even though it technically isn't. Um, so if it's not a very popular ETF, if you want to exit that ETF and kind of sell your bits of the ETF to somebody else, you might struggle finding someone, which um, then, then yeah, it's just a bit more risky yeah. for you. Yeah. You're stuck. Um, so, so yeah, like if you, if you buy an ET, one of these niche ETFs, just, yeah, make, make sure that that is actually, you can usually look up how much it's traded, um, mm. kind of give you a cutoff value now, but you can just kind of look up an ETF on, um, the S and P 500 massive American U S stock index, um, and just look how much that is traded and then have a look at your sustainability ETF that you want to buy and just see kind of how big the difference is and if that, that you're looking like... at the trading volumes there is that what the terminology would be yeah yeah, yeah. that would be the trading volumes and then sort of like when the markets are open and closed what how many people have bought and sold in that time period yeah okay that's really helpful to know because i think nobody really thinks about that you just assume always that you're going to be able to sell it 
Yeah, exactly. But mm. because it is so detached, because you don't actually like, I mean, back in the day, stock traders, like you had to walk into a room and pick up a phone and find somebody to buy your shares. But now with everything happening online, um, yeah, it's just so easy to forget that there needs to be a person on the other hand, actually buying your, yeah. your stuff. Mm, no, that's a really, really valid point. I mean, there's, I think there is so much more as well that we could end up like going down to as well on this because it will be really interesting to monitor it as well, I suppose, over the next couple of yeah. months and maybe until the yeah. end of the year, actually what the take up and what the, um, the sales have been, you know, what the trading volumes have been on ETFs, actually. And also, you know, looking at um, what the recovery time, if we do go into a recession, might look like as well. Yeah. Oh, yes, actually, I, I wanted to mention that and I completely forgot um, because, yeah, okay, let, let me chuck this in here, even if it's a bit out of context. Um, but you recently shared on your story somewhere um, kind of a, it's just like a chart of global shared, like stock price developments. And yes, it's always gone up historically, um, like if you, if you look at most time windows, but um, it kind of drew it marked how long sometimes it had taken the market to recover from a crash. Mm -hmm. And um, like, I think it was the 1929 one um, where it actually like, so stocks crashed crisis, um, all prices went down on average. And then it took the, the shares actually 25 years to recover. So if you had bought an ETF just before it crashed, um, it would have taken you 25 years to actually make a profit and um it's rare that like it only mm -hmm. happens this extremely this once but i think it's important to keep that in mind that just because everybody says stocks have mm -hmm. always gone up that's not an absolute carved in stone yeah. rule that has to apply for between now and your retirement <laughs> Well, exactly. And it's also looking at your time horizon. That's such a crucial part of it. And also you're looking at something called dollar cost averaging, pound cost averaging, which is where people recommend that you trickle in your investments over a set amount of time. The downside of it is that if you're having stuff in cash, it's being eroded by inflation anyway. So whether or not your money is going down from a bad investment or it's going down from inflation, you have to work out the maths there. Yes, I um, crude in the end. We <laughs> <laughs> can't say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, no, we're not. That's a bad one. And also diversification. So not even just having to invest in the stock market and looking at property, commercial property, artwork, all of these other pieces to really build a really good puzzle of something that is going to grow over steadily over over a longer time horizon as well. I think that's quite important. Yes. So, Victor, <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually a good a good a good point. But of course, only invest in things you understand. Like if you don't know anything about the handbag market, um, be very careful about buying a handbag or so. Um, and don't go rush out into that because again, the liquidity on it is not always there. Yeah. Um, so, Victoria, give me your top takeaway on ETFs, please. Okay, um, so ETFs are still a good thing in general. Um, and if you have some, like, don't sell them tomorrow just because we've, we've like, kind of talked about their problems. Um, they still actually are a good way to diversify your investment. But just be careful um, whenever you see somebody saying something like stocks have always gone up um, or you can't make a loss for some statistic reasons that can look very impressive. Um, just be, be smart about them and bear in mind that yeah, the, the situation we're in worldwide and in terms of stock markets has is changing very, very significantly at the mm -hmm. moment. Um, so 
just kind of, yeah, I mean, maybe take this moment to reassess what are you investing for? Is it the short term future or is it your retirement? And is that 40 years away or five? Um, and just, yeah, um, yeah, bear, bear in mind that, that ETFs are still a risky investment. They can go down. Um, and, and yeah, um, make, make smart choices. Brilliant. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much. This has been really, really good fun. And everybody who is tuning in, either now live or on a recording, then please do send us in any other questions or topics that you want us to cover, because obviously we've got very different viewpoints and we're happy to discuss the things that aren't, you know, usually discussed as well. So please do throw anything our way, as controversial as you think it might be. We'll be very happy to discuss them for you. Um, yeah, thank you so and, and if you liked anything about this or didn't like or think I talked too much or um, too fast or too slow or this was horribly boring or like, oh, you loved it and it was the best thing you ever you ever watched. Um, yeah, just let us know as well, because this is, as Lottie said, it's like our little pilot um, for this. So this is very much a work in progress and it would be really cool if you all helped us make it a lot better. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much and happy Friday, everybody. And we will see you all very soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as we did. If you can think of anybody else who would benefit from listening too, please share it with them using the social media buttons on this page. And don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes too. For further resources, make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Jura Society. And don't forget to sign up to our quarterly newsletter, The Wealth and Wellness Edit, where you'll be the first to gain access to our in-person talks, events, and much, much more. Until next time, see you later. Bye-bye.